Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. this evening in the book of 2 Samuel. Join me, if you will, in 2 Samuel. I was, this is a part, was a part of my Bible reading for this morning, and so as I began to read the story again, my mind, I just went right on with my reading, but I just had to go back, and I've just been kind of camping out here off and on all day. And I just pray that the Lord will help me to just share something that's in my heart to share. I'll just read one passage, 2 Samuel 19, and um, I'll read verse number 15. And we'll just kind of be camping out in this general area for just a little while and uh, ask God to just touch us. Are you glad you're in church? Amen. Some of you are trying to figure out what just a little while means to me. Praise God. Well, we'll know in a little while, won't we? The book of 2 Samuel chapter 19, verse number 15. This is speaking of David. So the Bible says, So the king returned and came to Jordan, and Judah came to Gilgal to go meet the king to conduct. The King James Version uses the word conduct. What that word really means is escort. So... Judah came to Gilgal to go meet the king to escort the king over Jordan. And with the help of the Lord, I want to just speak to you this evening from this subject, meeting the king. Amen. Meeting the king. Praise God. Lord, I love you today and I thank you for the tremendous privilege that you have given us tonight to be here in this house, to be assembled again one mind, one accord, one purpose, centering our heart. And I pray, God, that you'll just help us to make this journey together. And I pray that you'll help me, Lord, to make sense of this word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. May God bless you and you can be seated. I realize, especially on Wednesday, that any speaker kind of has the advantage of his of their audience because... Um, you know, we've kind of been dwelling on what we're going to be talking on for a little while. That's probably true of every service. But especially on Wednesday, we kind of come in with the aroma of the week's work or the day's toil still in our garment, certainly in our mind and spirit. So I'm going to try not to just jump in the deep end of the pool and take off swimming. I want you to make the journey with me because if I get to the end and I'm alone, it would be all fruitless. But I want to talk about meeting the king tonight. We have just one example, and that is of Judah, who came to Gilgal to escort the king over Jordan. But I want to talk about several different people that in this same setting and under this same banner met the same man, and it was King David. But each one of them 
meet him with a different spirit or a different attitude. There's circumstances that in some cases um, sort of set the stage for them. And uh, so if the Lord will just help me, I, I want to talk about these, these different points of view or these different postures or positions of meeting the king. Needless to say, before we're finished tonight, we'll find out that not everybody was happy to see the king. This chapter, uh, this evening in, in 2 Samuel 19, actually in, in, in the surrounding chapters, the closing of 18 and 19 as we move forward, finds David returning to Jerusalem. And he's returning to Jerusalem because he was forced into exile. There had been an uprising and uh, there had been a coup, a takeover, and at the head of all of this hostile takeover is his son. This was all born in the heart of Absalom, his son. And uh, Absalom is determined to override and overrule his father. And in the course of all of that, he is going himself, himself to become king. And so in the, in the course of this story, of, co of course, if you are familiar with the story, you know that it's a very dramatic scene as to how Absalom lost his life. And so not to get into all of that, but if we could just run to the center of this, Absalom is now dead. And David is returning to retake his rightful place on the throne. So David, David's return finds all of these people in the middle of all of this uprising. We find people falling on different sides of this equation and different opinions and different uh, positions and that they have all taken. And so we find people now, Absalom is dead. It was a shock to everyone. As a matter of fact, no one was perhaps um, more distraught about the situation than was David. At the closing verses of chapter 18, we find David weeping and mourning over the loss of his son. The opening verses of chapter 19, 2 Samuel, we find David still mourning and weeping over the loss of his son. And so as a parent and as a father, we could certainly put ourselves in that position and realize that David had a right to, to shed those tears and to feel that, uh, that sense of loss. But we also have to realize that David was the king. And this man was, even though he was your son, this man was about to, to kill you. He would have had you killed. And, and he was going to override you. And so it, it caused a big stir, even among the allies of David, that were saying, you've got to wipe those tears from your eyes and start leading us because you're the king. Amen. I'm not stretching this story to make that point. That is actually in your word. And so here we are presented with different people who are meeting the king. Some of them are meeting him because they are forced to. Others are meeting him because they're happy to. But each one of them meet King David from a, point, a different point of view. And so I certainly want to link this tonight. It's an easy transition in all of our minds. I certainly want to link this with the returning of another king because I think there are going to be people that we can see and sense in Scripture. They're going to be meeting the Lord with the same position or from the same position I'm talking about Jesus I believe the Lord's coming amen he is coming back I know it has become a myth and a fairy tale in the minds of many people and that is the devil's pleasure to just lull the world to sleep amen he's trying to lull the church to sleep 
But there is a there is an eternity. There is an eternity. We're going to spend eternity somewhere. Somewhere I must be saved. Amen. Before the Lord left, he gave his people some promises. And these promises, I believe, stand as a glorious hope to the children of God, to the church of this age. But I believe that these promises also stand as a solemn warning to those who will not obey him. So let's just consider a few of those promises. John 14 and 1, the Bible says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If, I, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Amen. I will come again receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. This is a promise to the church, and we can't lose sight of the promise. Amen. I've been in church, around church my whole life. And I've heard the preaching and the second return of the Lord. But I'm going to tell you that never, and I believe we would all have to agree, never has the signs of our times been as clear and the lens as focused as it is today. The Lord is coming. The book of Acts chapter 1 verse number 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why standing here gazing up into heaven, this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Just as quickly as he left, the Lord is going to return again. And I must be saved. I must be saved. I must be ready. I must be ready. Amen. The truth of the matter of, the, of it is, is that not everybody is going to meet the, Jesus the same way when he returns. There are going to be some people that will meet him and they're ready to meet him and others will not be ready to meet him. It's been preached recently from this pulpit. Two will be in the field. Amen. Two will lie together. One will be taken. One will be left. I'm, I'm praying, God, I want to be among the taken. I do not want to lose sight of the, of the imminent return of the Lord. Some are going to be excited. Some people live with a sense of expectation. I'll get up every day. I want to get up every day, and I want to pray, Lord, let me be right today. Order my steps in your word. Amen. That I might not sin against you. I pray, God, that iniquity will not have any place, any dwelling place in my heart. And so order my steps. I don't know what this day holds, but you know what this day holds. And so I pray that you'll help me. And at the same time, when the Lord returns, others are going to be lost and they're going to be undone. And that's not me as a person being crude and crass and unkind. But the Bible talks about a narrow way, a straight way that leads to heaven. And the Bible also talking, talks about hell that has opened her mouth without measure. I don't, I don't want to get off on, a, on, on any side lane here tonight, but I'm going to tell you that there's a lot of people that don't believe they're going to hell today that are going to hell. And that, that ought to trouble us as much as it should trouble them. Amen. We need to reach with everything within us to make sure that those around us are not lost. Amen. They're going to realize that heaven and hell are a reality. This is not a myth. This is not just things songs are made of. And so the pressing question for you and I this evening is this. Just simply this. How will we 
meet the king? How am I going to meet the king? I would like for us to consider the lives of a few men who met David when he returned. And from these lives, I would like for us to consider how many people are going to meet Jesus when he returns. And I don't often ask people to do something, give them an assignment while I'm trying to teach or preach. It's hard enough to keep everybody collected together without giving anybody an assignment. But I would like for you to do something for me tonight. And, and while we are going through this, this Bible, these Bible scriptures, I'm asking you if you would just consistently ask yourself this question, how will I meet the king? How will I meet the king? I believe that I should ask myself, how am I going to meet the king? In verses 16 through 23, we meet two men. They're not real happy about the return of David. They're not real keen to find out that Absalom has died and now they're beckoning for David to come back and take his rightful position on the throne. Those two men were named, one of them Ziba and the one Shimei. And both of these men had every right and every reason to be worried when they heard that Absalom was dead and that David was now coming home. Because some these both of these men had planted some pretty bad seed. And they, were, they had every right to be very concerned about David coming back to take the throne. Now Ziba, when, when David left Jerusalem, Ziba came to the king and he brought him food and other necessities. And you can read that in, in the 16th chapter. And uh, we're introduced to Ziba who was a servant of Saul. And he was made charge or given charge over a man by the name of Mephibosheth. And uh, we'll talk about Mephibosheth in just a few moments. But Ziba was a cunning man. He was a man kind of like Jacob. He was looking out for himself and no one else around him. And so when David left for Jerusalem, uh, Ziba came to the king. He brought him food and brought him all kind of things. In the process of giving him food, Ziba took the time to slander the name of Mephibosheth because the first thing that David asked when he met Ziba is where is Mephibosheth? Now, Mephibosheth was a man that was crippled. He was lame of his feet. You can find that in the ninth chapter and, and, uh, in the, and read a little bit about that in the fourth chapter. And so, uh, so here's a man that's crippled. Ziba has been given charge over him to, to uh, be his servant, if you please. And so Ziba takes this opportunity to say, well, you know, it was just too much trouble. He didn't want to be here. And, and uh, David, he was completely misrepresented Mephibosheth. And by doing so... When he did that, David said, well, I'm going to take everything that belonged to Mephibosheth and I'm going to give that to you. And that was a decision made in haste. And it was an ill-fated decision for David, but it was all done under false pretenses. So in short, Ziba lied to the king because he attempted to deceive him. So Ziba was worried and he had every right to be worried when he realized that David is coming back home. I mean, we thought this was all done. David, he's the thing of the past and, and all those lies, that's not going to matter anything. But then we find this other man by the name of Shimei. And when David was just a few miles outside of the, the city of Jerusalem, when he was being exiled, David was running for his life. And so on his way into exile, David passed by this small village. And as he and all of his men passed by, the Bible says this is where we're introduced to this man by the name of Shimei. Shimei got big and brave. He got bold and loud because David is not on the, on the throne. He's being ran off into the shadows. 
And so the Bible says of Shimei that he started cursing at David. But it wasn't just enough to curse at him. But we also see in the scripture that he threw rocks at David and, and threw rocks at his men. He had small man syndrome, see? Because the king's on his way out and he could do nothing about it. And who do you think you are? And so here's, here is Shimei. He's cursing and he's throwing rocks. And, and, and so by cursing and by throwing rocks, he was guilty of blaspheming against God's anointed. And because of this, he stood to die because of his transgressions. And, and so, and so we know that now all of a sudden they say, hey, you know what, uh, Absalom got killed today. And believe it or not, David's on his way home. And Shimei's going, uh-oh. He's thinking about all those words he hurled at him, all those rocks he hurled at him. And he's thinking, I've had it. I mean, it's just over. But he received mercy. David refused another man. There was a man that was standing there, Abishai, that said, if you'll just move over, David, I'm going to take him out because he cursed at you and he threw rocks. And David said, no, we're not going there. That's not where we're going. And when he saw the king return, and he had every right to worry because he understood that my life is in the balances. And so by, these, by their actions, these two men... These two men paint a picture of many people today because there's a lot of people that claim to be living for the Lord when they're not really ready should the Lord return. I mean, everything's all right as long as things are going in this direction. But, but sadly, many are, are guilty of the hypocrisy of, of Ziba because they refuse to live how the Lord wants them to live. They just refuse to do it. Amen. They do it with a smile, some of them. They do it with, with what we might not perceive to be rebellion. But I'm going to tell you, you can't ignore the Word of God. You've got to do something when you come to the crossroads of truth and error. Can I say that again? You, you've got to do something. When you stand at the intersection of truth and error, there is a decision to be made. Others are guilty of, of pure blasphemy. and They claim to love the Lord, but, but the life they live is the complete opposite of that. And so I believe that when the Bible teaches us that when the Lord takes a soul, that He makes a difference in our life. What a change. What a change He makes in our life. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 talks about our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Spirit of God living in us. There's some things that we would never allow to take place inside this building because this is a building we've dedicated unto the Lord. And so there's some things that we should never allow to take place inside this temple because it is the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. Amen. It says that we are not our own and that we have been bought with a price. And because of this, it says, therefore, we should glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Ready for this? Which are God's. Or in other words, they both belong to God. Our body and our spirit belong to God. So we need to sanctify ourselves. And so I believe that someone that is filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost surrenders our life to the Lord. In other words, we give Him Lordship. We give Him Lordship of our lives. Amen. And He he is in control. It is His will. Thy will, not my will be done. Amen. So I ask you this evening, are we going to be worried when the Lord comes? If I know that He's going to come in the twinkling of an eye. And I know it's going to be the trumpet sound and there's not going to be a warning per se. But if I could just, if I could just for the sake of an illustration, if we just knew that the Lord was going to come in the next night, 
90 seconds or the next 120 seconds. If we knew that in three minutes the Lord's going to come, what would be in our heart? Would I be worried? Would I be like Shimei trying to think, now what were those words that I called him? And how many rocks did I hurl at him? Amen. What would, what would happen in our heart? How would we feel? What would our posture, what would our position, what would our attitude be if we knew the Lord was coming in the next three minutes? Amen. It wasn't good news for these men. David's coming home. David's coming home. David's coming home. Yes, David's coming home. This wasn't good news. Amen. But I'll tell you that when the Lord comes, if we're not right with Him, we've got reason to worry because we're going to stand before Him in judgment. Amen. He gave this book to the ministry. Amen. Didn't he? He took the book and he read from the book of Isaiah. And when he got through reading the book, what did he do? He closed the book and he handed it back. He handed it to the disciples. He handed it into the hands of the ministry. But when he comes again, he's going to take this book back out of the hands of the ministry. Amen. And from this book, we are going to be judged. This is not going to be a pop quiz. It's not going to be a surprise. No, no, no. Amen. We're going to be judged from this very book we've been given. Amen. There are people that say, I can live like I want to live. Amen. I'm not trying to sound sassy, but I've been told that before more than once. I can do whatever I want to do. You can't tell me what to do. And I say, you're right. And you can live just like you want to live. You're right. You're 100% right. But before you just dive in, let me just read you one scripture. You're exactly right. But before you go barreling forward, let me just turn you to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 11 and verse number 9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine own eyes. Amen. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Amen. You can't get around that. You, there's not an eraser big enough. Amen. There is not, there is no way you can pull anything. There, the, the, a magic eraser is not going to help you here. Amen. Go ahead, young man. Go ahead in your youth and let your heart cheer thee all the days of your youth. And go ahead and walk in all the ways of your heart and in the sight of your own eyes. But you need to know one thing, that for all these things, God is going to bring you into judgment. I can go wherever I want to go. I can do whatever I want to do. I can throw as many rocks as I want to throw. I can hurl as many curse words as I want to hurl. Yes, 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 yes. But know this, that there is a God that's going to bring us into judgment over those very things. This should be a sobering passage of Scripture. Amen. We don't have to bright this or brand this over the doorpost of our house. It ought to be branded in our heart. Can I go here? Yes, I can go there. But there's a judgment with it. Can I do this? Yes, you can do that if you want. But know this, God is going to bring us into judgment for these things. Oh, let's clap our hands. Praise God. Praise God. 
Amen. These passages of Scripture, messages like this tonight, will not help you win a popularity contest because it doesn't appeal to the itching ears of men. But we're living in a world today that says there should be no boundary and there should be no law and there should be no rule. Amen. But oh God, help us to realize that while all of those things may be your opinion, there is an opinion that matters way beyond my opinion. And that is what thus saith the Word of God. God and realize one thing one day we're going to be meeting the king one day it is destined we're going to meet him by the sounding of the trumpet or I'm going to meet him whenever I breathe my last breath and what matters is how I meet the king it's going to matter how I meet the king in verses 24 through 30 we find another man here is this man I mentioned a moment ago this man's name is Mephibosheth Amen. This was the man that had been rep- misrepresented by Ziba. When Mephibosheth comes to meet the king, we see the Bible says that he had not washed his feet or he had not shaven his face. And, and these are, don't mean a lot to us today in 2023. Uh, we might kind of wrinkle our brow and uh, curl up our nose at all these things, but this was something that, in their culture. Amen. Because it was a time of mourning and, and Mephibosheth had been mourning the, the absence of David and the loss of a king, the loss of a man that had saved him. A man that he said, I've got no right to live. Because when David became king, when Saul was killed. It was the culture of the day that the oncoming king, the new king, would annihilate all of the family of the outgoing king. And so Mephibosheth knew, I don't stand a chance, but Jonathan, Mephibosheth's father, and I don't want to lose you in the weeds here, but this is a fascinating story. Jonathan knew that his father was wrong. His father was Saul. And he knew that he was wrong. And he knew that God was going to judge him. And Jonathan made a covenant with David. And he said, "I won't, you don't have to to remember me. You don't need to remember me. I'm going to probably go down with my dad, but I'm going to ask you to remember my family. I'm going to ask you to remember my family. And David said, I'm going to remember them. And when Saul was dead and Jonathan was dead and when everything, all the dust had settled, David said, where is the son of Jonathan that I might show him kindness? That I might show him kindness. He said, is there any that's left of the house of Saul? And one spoke up and said, well, there's just one but he's crippled. There's just one, but he's lame. And David said, go get him that I might show him kindness for Jonathan, his father's sake. Hallelujah. And Mephibosheth said when he stood before David and David said, I'm going to bless you. David Mephibosheth said, why would you bless me? I'm just a dirty dog. That's what he called himself. He meant I'm a dirty dog. Why would you bless me? But David said, you're not just going to come and eat when you want to. You're going to sit at the table as one. One of my sons. (laughs) Amen. This descendant of Saul. This enemy. Amen. He had a love relationship with King David because of what King David had done for him. And he longed for nothing more than to see David. Amen. And so when... When David comes and, and fi- when Mephibosheth finally and David finally come together, David asked Mephibosheth, said, where, where were you? Why didn't you come to meet me? And Mephibosheth clears up the lie. And he said, well, I didn't come because Ziba said he was going to come and represent me to you. But when Ziba got there, he said, well, I don't know where he is. He didn't feel like traveling today. And in that moment, David said, I'll give you everything that's his. Now David and Mephibosheth are together. 
Mephibosheth has cleared up the story and David said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give you back half of everything that belongs to you. And he said, I don't need anything. I don't need, I don't want anything you've got just as long as my Lord has returned safely. Amen. <laughs> I don't care about anything. Amen. He wasn't worried. He wasn't worried when, <laughs> when they said David's coming. He was thrilled. David's coming home. He didn't feel like Shimei. Amen. He didn't feel like Zion. There was no dread in his life. Amen. You mean to tell me that, the, that David's coming home? Amen. I want to assure you that everybody, amen, that's looking for, the, everybody that's, that even thinks the Lord is coming today, they're not doing so with gladness in their heart. Amen. I'm going to tell you that Jesus is going to do what he said he would do. He's going to return in all power and he's going to return in all glory. Amen. The, the answer, the question that we've got to answer is this. Am I going to feel like Mephibosheth when the Lord, when the Lord comes. Amen. If somebody said you know what the Lord's coming in the next three minutes. I'm going to tell you Mephibosheth is getting his stuff together and saying I thought this day would never happen. I'm so thrilled. Amen. I don't want the Lord to catch me preoccupied. I believe that I believe that Mephibosheth it could be safely said of Mephibosheth that he was watching and waiting and that's what the church has been admonished to do. That we ought to watch and wait. I believe that we ought to keep one eye focused on the mission that God has us on hallelujah to reach and to win everybody that we can but I believe we ought to have another eye on that eastern sky I want to be watching with a sense of expectation that he could come at any time the Bible says in Hebrews 9 and 28 unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation I want to be looking for his return amen in verses 31 through 40 we find a man that we only know two things about. We know his name, Barzillai, Barzillai, and we know that the Bible says he was a faithful man. That's all we know. We know his name, and we know that he was a faithful man. He meets the return of the king with great joy. He's glad that the king returned. Now, you need to understand something. Amen, that, that the Bible also tells us one other little snippet about his life, and that is that he was not a young man. Amen, he was an elderly man, but he still come down to welcome the king. We don't know a whole lot about him, of course. I mean, these very few things, but the Bible says he was a great man, a faithful man. It seems that when David was away in exile, that Barzillai was still faithful to the Lord. Amen. I know it's been a long time that you've been hearing that the Lord's coming, but I'm glad you came to his house tonight. Amen. Faithful, walked in the door. Amen. You may be sitting where you've been sitting for many, many years, and there's nothing wrong with that. Amen. You may have parked where you've been parking for many years. There's nothing wrong with that. I thank you for your faithfulness. Amen. The Lord says, thank you for your faithfulness. Amen. Barzillai said, well, I don't know what I got left, but I'll tell you what I can do. I can be faithful to your house. Amen. I believe those that are faithful to his house are not just faithful here on Sunday or, or Wednesday, but I believe they're faithful to his word and they're faithful to the altar. They're faithful in their relationship with God. Faithful, faithful. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I wonder when the Lord returns if you'll find the same spirit alive and well. I want it to be said of us that we were found faithful. In truth, there are a lot of people that are not faithful. They refuse to be faithful. Amen. People know what they should be doing, but that's not what they are doing. Amen. I want to be faithful. Amen. But Barzillai was faithful to the house of God. He kept living. He kept giving. He kept doing everything with his power, within his power until the Lord returned. 
So I would ask myself, can the same be said of me? And you should ask yourself, can the same be said of you? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4 and 2, moreover, it is required. We're scared of big words today. Amen. Strong words. But it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. The word required means demand. It means order. It means command. Amen. There are some things that are required. of not, They're not suggestions. Amen. It is required of a servant, of a steward, that we are found faithful. When the Lord comes, I want Him to find me faithful. Faithful in the hardware store. Amen. Faithful in my home. Faithful when nobody's looking. Amen. Faithful in the house of God. Yes, that goes without saying. But faithful when I'm away. Amen. Faithful when I... when Oh, hear me tonight. I want to be faithful to the call and the calls of God. Amen. We've got to learn how to stand our ground even when others around us desert the battlefield. I've got to keep fighting. Amen. How many, how many will fight with me? I've got to keep fighting. Amen. The Bible talks about in 2 Samuel 23 about a man by the name of Shammah. Amen. The Philistines had gathered themselves. They had gathered themselves into a troop and they had gotten to the top of a, a, a hill or a piece of ground. And they said, we're going to take this ground because this ground is full of lentils. And so the enemy got together. The Bible calls them a troop. And we're going to take this ground because this ground is full of lentils. And the Bible says that, that there were people standing there that they fled from the Philistines. They went running away because the enemy said, I'm coming in and I'm going to take this parcel of ground because it's got food. It's got nourishment. But Shammai, amen, he said, the Bible talks about Shammai that just stationed himself in the middle of the field. Amen. He stood in the middle of God, what God had given them to defend it. Praise God. Are you with me tonight? Amen. He goes on to say that he killed the Philistines signs and the Lord brought great victory. One man. Amen. The power of one person. Everybody else said I got to get out of here because the enemy's coming in. The enemy says I want this because it's rich. But one man said I'll stand in the middle. I position myself in the middle of this. And with the help of God God gave him the power to defeat the enemy. Hallelujah. Come on tonight. Amen. I believe that the church ought to be saying it doesn't matter how many people are running that way or how many people are running that way. I'm going to position myself. Amen. Sham, I said, I'm not leaving the promise. I'm not leaving the blessings of God. I didn't come this far to turn and run. I didn't come this far to give this to the enemy. I didn't come this far to turn and run. If I have to stand alone, I'll stand alone. But I promise you, we're never alone when we stand with Him. Praise God. We're never alone when we stand with Him. Thank you. Chapter 20, we meet another man by the name of Sheba. He's described as the son of Belial. This phrase refers to a person that's a rebel or a wicked man. Sheba was a, it had one thing on his mind. Sheba was said, I'm going to overthrow the king. We're going to be a part of this. He wanted to see David removed from the throne. And so in response, David's generals went after Sheba and they finally killed him. And this man, Sheba, represents those that are enemies of the Lord. And of course, they don't feel like they're enemies of God. But the truth of the matter is that everyone that's not in a personal relationship with God is an enemy with God. Because you can't serve two masters. You're going to love the one and hate the other. You're going to hate the other and love, love the one and hate the other. Amen. We can't serve two masters. Bitter water and sweet water can't come out of the same fountain. Amen. So when Jesus comes, we've got to make sure that I'm not finding myself on the outside. 
got to ask ourselves, I don't want to make, I want to make sure I'm not on the outside looking in. Amen. I got to be filled with His Spirit or I'm going to find myself on the outside, outside of hope, outside of mercy, outside of grace. Amen. The good news is that the Lord, the Lord's return doesn't have to catch me on the outside. It would be a disgrace. I'll ask our musicians to come, but it would be a real disgrace for anybody to be lost. But it would sure be a disgrace for those who have found the truth to be lost. Amen. Abner. Abner. Abner ran with the enemy on his heels and he made it to the city of refuge. And when he got to the city of refuge, his enemy from without said, I need to talk to you. And he came out to meet the man that he knew had been chasing him. It would be a terrible thing for anybody to lose their life anywhere. Literally or spiritually tonight, of course, is our consideration. But Abner died in the gate of hope. He died in, in, in the very shadow of hope. Oh my Lord. Amen. So how will you meet the king? How will we meet the king? Shimei, Zabas, and oh Lord. Man, I didn't think he was going to come. I didn't think, I, didn't, I thought we'd seen the last of David. Mephibosheth said, oh, it's just, just enough that you're here. I'm so glad you're here. Barzillai said, I don't know. I, I hadn't been able to do a whole lot since you've been gone. Kind of the old calendars slow walk me down, but I've been faithful. I've been faithful to you. Amen. Brother Newburn last Wednesday night preached about Noah and the ark. An age old, timeless story. And illustrated how people were no doubt knocking at that ark. Even perhaps those that had helped him build the ark. Amen. God help us. God help us. Because he's coming. He's coming. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to go all the way back to our text tonight. To the last character that I will mention. And what I'm going to end with has already been said in this service tonight. Not by me. The book of 2 Samuel 19 and 15. And so the king returned. This is David. And came to Jordan. And Judah came to Gilgal to escort the king over Jordan. Amen. He wasn't just saying, come on. He said, let me help you. Let me help you. I want to be found escorting the Lord. The Bible says, Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Lord, come. Come, Lord. Amen. If you can pray that prayer, Amen, you ought to thank the Lord.
But if you don't, can't bring yourself to utter those words, if you're here tonight, if you're watching this service online, if you can't bring yourself to say, Lord, I hope you come tonight. Oh Lord, I hope you come tonight. We should carefully consider because we're going to meet the King. It's just how are we going to meet Him? What's going to be our spirit? What's going to be our attitude? What's going to be our feelings about it? Hear me tonight. I can't stop this meeting. I can't hasten it. I can't slow it down. I can't do anything no more than you can. The one thing I can do is make sure that I am ready. Amen. As a pastor, as a minister of the gospel, I'm trying to make sure that others are ready. But you see, God gave you a self-will. He gave you your own will. You can say yes. You can say no. You can hasten. You can slow. You can, you can commit. You can stay uncommitted. I can't do anything about that. And so I ask you tonight to ask yourself, how will I meet the King? How am I going to meet Him? What's going to be my position? What's going to be my thoughts? Amen. I wonder if we could just end this service with family prayer. Would you just gather with us around? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.